Amen. You know, I've known Jeff Fair since he was a little kid. And I can tell you Jeff Fair stories. And I can tell you Danny Forshee stories. I've known both these guys for a long time. I tell you what, I don't know if you pinch yourself sometime and think, Danny Forshee's my pastor. I mean, you should, because he's special. I mean, he is. I mean, he's an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And, you know, back in seminary, uh, we knew he was special because, you know, I mean, God just get a hold of him, and he just, it was like he would just get electrified like when I get a Dunkin' Donut. I mean, you know, he would, you know, he just, God would just get on that guy, and just amazing. And I love how God uses Dr. Danny Forshee. Well, it's so Glad to be with you, and, and I'm excited he's here today. So he invited me here, and I didn't know he, you know, at first he was going to be here, so this is just such a thrill to be here with he and Ashley, and we've been friends with their family for so long, and I'm so proud of all their children and what Bryant's doing and what Layton's doing, and my silly snake, Hannah, uh, is probably here somewhere, and we have, a, speaking of that, we have, our Hannah is here. I have four kids, uh, Graham and uh, He's my oldest, Graham and Gabrielle, uh, Hunter and Hannah. They're, they're all of them, but one of them here, Gabrielle's not here, are running, running around here. Well, it's a joy to be at Great Hills Baptist Church. If you don't know about me, uh, I was an atheist for 21 years, and I set out to prove that Christianity was not the truth. But I discovered there is powerful evidence from science, history, archaeology, prophecy, many different areas which demonstrates beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is the truth. Contrary to popular belief, you do not have to check your brains in at the door to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is one of the most reasonable, intelligent decisions that you can ever make. And since dedicating my life to Christ since I was 21 years of age, I have been defending the faith. I've dedicated my life to helping people understand why Christianity is the truth. And I've written several different books on it. Uh, we have a website that you might want to go to. It's called defendingthefaith.law. And there you can find out about our resources. We have a, a podcast, which Dr. Forshee talked me into to starting, and now it's becoming a nationally ranked podcast. My two sons who are here uh, produce our podcast, but it's called Defending the Faith. And we've got some great shows on there. This week, we've got a show on the importance of the nation of Israel with Dr. Gary Frazier, who has been here. Because uh, I was here with him in the 90s. Dr. Ochester invited me to, to preach here. And good to see he and, he and Barbara here. Uh, and let's see, next week we have a show that, uh, on the question, if you're pro-Bible, does that make you pro-life? And so that's a really interesting question. But if you go to defendingthefaith.law, you can uh, sign up and you'll get our newsletters, our updates. You get a free ebook, all kinds of different things uh, on there. Well, Today, I wanna to talk about religious liberty because I am also a religious liberty attorney. And we have about 10 cases going on in the United States. We just won a religious liberty case in the state of Kentucky. Uh, we've got a big case right now going on in kids sports. Uh, it's called our Gender X case uh, because there's some people who, you know, in, in kids sports, traditionally you could sign up as a male or a female and now people are trying to sign up as gender X, saying that they can play as male or female, that there's you know, more than one genders. And so we, we've taken that case uh, up, and so you'll hear more about that uh, in the national news. But 
we do religious liberty cases, and we, we defend Christians, pastors, churches, denominations. Right now, I'm, until the end of the year, I'm the interim general counsel for the Southern Baptist of Texas, and I tell you what, our religious liberty in the United States is under assault. You know, we take it for granted that we have these protections. I mean, we are protected by several things. We're protected by the Constitution. The Constitution uh, has several things to say about religious liberty. The Bible, the, the, the Constitution talks about um, that we have the, the free exercise clause, that we have the right to exercise our religion freely. And the Constitution also talks about the Establishment Clause, that Congress shall make no law establishing religion. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a moment. But you know what's interesting is we take all these things for granted here in the United States of America. But if you travel abroad, if you go out all over the world, you know, before I prayed with Dr. Forshee today, uh, you know, they had a map of the world and y'all had all kinds of places where evidently y'all have been and had an impact and stuff and it's so refreshing to see that and I was staring at that map and I was thinking, you know, there's most of the places in the world do not have religious liberty. Most of the places in the world don't even have free speech but we take these things for granted and, you know, what I'm gonna say today is kind of shocking and you would say, Frank, there's no way but Right here in America, we are in danger of losing our religious liberty. We are. And you probably know this better. You know, some places I go and, and they don't seem to know what I'm, what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what, uh, Austin, Texas knows. You know, I told my wife, I said, I preach more times in Austin, Texas than any other city, uh, primarily because people have asked me to come and talk about, about my atheism and all kinds of stuff and and, you know, I don't want to say anything, but I mean, you know, because we got some weird people in Dallas, but I think y'all have more here. I mean, man, I'm just telling you, uh, you know, there's some stuff going on in Austin that just makes you, just blows your mind. And I'm, am I still in Texas? So, so y'all kind of get this, but we're in danger of losing our religious liberty. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter six. And today we're going to look at a very familiar story. You've heard this story. You've heard it probably when you were a, as, as a child in Sunday school, and you know much about this story, but this story represents a little bit more than probably what you think. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And you know, you know about this story, but here's what I want to point out to you today. This is the story about how religious liberty got taken away. It's the story about how faith was made illegal. And you know, it's a really interesting thing when it's illegal to do what is righteous. Now, I'm telling you, this is coming in the United States of America. We're in danger of this. It happened in this story, in Daniel chapter six, in the kingdom of Babylon. The kingdom of Babylon had a king, and his name was Darius. And what was interesting about the kingdom then was they had a problem in their government because they were taking in all this money and the money was disappearing. So somebody within the government was embezzling all the money and so the king got together um, a man to, to look into this and his name was Daniel. And so it was Daniel's job to do this investigation and to solve this embezzlement problem. Now I'll tell you this, when Daniel took this job, 
He was 85 years old. Now, let me ask you something. Do we have anybody here that is 85 years or older? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, um, Dr. Ochester is 95 years young. He doesn't look it. You look like 65. You look like a spring chicken, son. And Barbara, I think, just turned 85, right? But I want to tell you something. Now, this Daniel's starting this new chapter of his life when he's 85. You know, just because you're 85 doesn't mean that God is done with you, that it's over or somehow that, you know, that you're put on the fence and it's, it's all, all gone. Daniel, at 85 years of age, he's on his third king. And so Daniel is tasked with fixing corruption and dealing with kickbacks. And, and, and guess what? The other leaders are not happy about it. Look with me, starting in verse four. It says, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find ground for complaint or any other fault because, he's fa- because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Has anybody ever said something like that about you? Like, that person has no faults in them whatsoever. That person is perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what they were saying about Daniel because when Daniel launched this investigation, guess what? He solved the problem. I mean, he got to the end of this. He fixed the whole thing. And as a result of that, do you think that he got an award or got a standing ovation or people were happy with it? No. In fact, people were upset that he had exposed their corruption. And so they began an investigation of Daniel because he upset the good old boy network. I mean, they launched an investigation with the CIA, with the FBI, the IRS audited him. They looked under a microscope trying to find anything they could that was wrong with Daniel, but guess what they found? Nothing. So you think they would have dropped it, but they didn't. They said, you know what? Instead of closing the case, look at verse five. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now look at this. Here's what they decided to do. They couldn't find anything wrong with this man. So what they decided to do was attack his faith. What they decided to do was to weaponize His faith, now here's the scam. Look at verse seven. It says, whoever makes a petition to any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, you know, what I I think is funny is that it says, you know, if if you pray to any man or to any God, you'll get in trouble. But it doesn't say you can't pray for other things. You know, when I was a seminary student at Southwestern Seminary, you know, I, I was a PhD student, and so was Dr. Danny Forshee. And back then, you couldn't just take all your classes at, at one school. You had to take some other classes outside of your school. So me and Danny signed up for some other classes over at TCU at Bright Divinity School. And if you're a, a horned frog, a, a purple people eater, you're not going to be happy with what I'm about to tell you. So anyway, I take this class, and anyway, and in this class, and Danny, I can't remember if you were in this class. But they took us and they wanted us to pray to a tree. You were there, weren't you? I mean, it was unbelievable. Now, I will tell you this. There were two of us, at least two of us, that would not pray to that tree. 
You know, and some lady comes over and, and says, hey, man, you know, uh, you know, God's in nature and blah, 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 and all, all this stuff. And, and, you know, Danny and I are just like, mm-mm. You know, there's a God, and it ain't that tree. You know, we're not praying to that tree. You know, Danny, the other day we, were, we went to eat over at this restaurant over by TCU, and my youngest daughter, who's Hannah, she's here today, she's 15, and she goes, Dad, Dad, we're over by the tree that they tried to make you pray to. Can you take us? To-? I took her to the tree. She wanted to, to see the tree. But, you know, it's interesting. In this passage, they said, if you, you, you can't pray to any God or to any man for 30 days, and they put it in writing, verse 9, and they passed it as unrepealable according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians. And here's what's unbelievable. Verse 10, the king signed it. What a crazy thing. What a sinister thing to do. Um, and this is the story about how they passed a law to make people's faith illegal. Now, this was gonna be a problem for Daniel. Daniel was a very godly man. Um, Daniel prayed three times a day. Not only did Daniel pray three times a day, but he prayed to God. He not only prayed to God, but he prayed to the only God that is, the God that sits in heaven, the God who is the most high God. That's the God that he prayed to. And they told Daniel that, he couldn't pray. You see, this law was a targeted law. They tried to block prayer. They tried to block the target of prayer. See, the problem they had wasn't so much with Daniel. It was with God. You know, if you're a Christian, you need to understand this. Jesus says that the reason that the world hates me is because I testify that its works are evil. And when you follow Jesus, the world will hate you too. But you need to understand this. It's not your message that the world is rejecting. It's God's. It's not your words that the world is rejecting. It's God's. But you know, we have to follow God even if people reject us. We have to follow the words of this book even if people repel us. Because like Peter said to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, you alone have the words of eternal life. And you know, that's why as Christians, we have to be salt and light in the world. We have to be faithful to the end. And he that overcomes to the end, the same shall be saved. And God has called us to be overcoming Christians and to stand against the culture of the world when it's anti-God. And our world, unfortunately, is getting more and more anti-God. They did all this behind Daniel's back. The Bible tells us in verse 10, that Daniel learns about this after the law passes. So here's Daniel's reward for solving this great problem, one of the greatest problems they've ever had in their country. He solves it, and his reward is they pass a law banning his faith. You talk about getting blindsided, getting stripped. You know, I've often wondered this. If Daniel would have known what they were doing, because, you know, he has the highest position in Babylon. If Daniel would have known what they were doing before they did it, do you think, do you think that Daniel could have done something about it to stop it? I happen to be a person that believes that he could have. You know, let me ask you a question as a Christian. As a Christian, if you knew there was an unjust law that was going to be passed in the United States of America that would hurt the Christian cause, that would be designed to attack the God of the Bible, do you think that we should do something about it? 
Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's happening right now in America. And this is not a political message, but, and, I, and I'm not advocating any kind of political position, but I'm going to tell you something, that Christians, the way things are going in our, in our world, we're going to have to stand up. You know, there was a time in America that there were so many of us, there were so many Christians that we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to go to the school board meetings. You know, things would just kind of work out right. We didn't have to go and vote on things because things would just kind of work out. Let me tell you something, those days are long gone and, and past. Now, the time is coming in the United States of America that we are going to have to show up. We're gonna have to show up at that school board meeting. We're gonna have to show up at the ballot boxes because if not, we are going to get smoked. You know, some of my favorite people in the world go to this church. I got a lot of friends in this church. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's somebody in this church. You ought to know her name. Her name is Cindy Asmussen. Any of you know who Cindy Asmussen is? And so she is a liaison with the Southern Baptist of Texas over legislative events. She's absolutely brilliant off the scale. And, you know, I would have come here to preach even if I didn't know who Danny Forsey was just because this is Cindy's church. And, man, she can tell you a lot of the issues that, that we got going on. I mean, I tell you what, we've got issues that are coming up before us that if we don't do something, we're in trouble. You say, Frank, name one, Equality Act. The Equality Act is a danger to religious liberty because there's no religious liberty carve-outs. I'm gonna tell you something. Beginning in 1947, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, which, by the way, I was just admitted as a, mem as a member of the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States of America a couple months ago, and I'm excited because we're going to do cases there in, in the Supreme Court. But in 1947, there was a case called Everson versus Board of Education. And in this case, the, course, the court held that the Establishment Clause applies to states and local governments. It's one of the worst decisions that was ever made by the Supreme Court, by SCOTUS. Now, the reason they said that it, it was applicable, the Establishment Clause, was via the 14th Amendment. Now, this is stunning. This is really stunning ruling because I, I want you to understand. The Establishment Clause... Remember what the Establishment Clause says. It says, Congress shall make no law establishing religion. Now, let me tell you what the court has interpreted that to mean. Um, it means that you can take God out of government activities in states and localities. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to the Constitution, I believe we need to interpret the Constitution as it was originally written. And that's not what it meant then. And I'll tell you why we know that. Because in 1791, when the, when the Establishment Clause was passed, six states had state religions. Now you go, what's that? Okay, well, it's really weird concept for us to comprehend. But at the time, they passed the Establishment Clause. Six states had official religions. And their ministers could get paid by the government and so forth and so on. And people were concerned enough about this that they said, okay, we're not going to have a national religion. So they did the Establishment Clause, which simply says, Congress shall make no law establishing religion. Now, it did not mean that states couldn't do it. It did not mean that localities and municipalities couldn't do it. 
Now, I'll tell you what went, went on concerning the Establishment Clause. We've gotten so far away from the original meaning of the Establishment Clause that people now just take it for granted that the Establishment Clause means that you can't have God in any form in government. In fact, some people say you can't have God in any form in the public square. And the only place you can find God ought to be in church. And that's part of the the things that we are defending right now is religious liberty because this thing has just absolutely went crazy. You know, in 1791, let me tell you what was going on. When they, after they passed the Establishment Clause, they were praying in Congress. So it didn't have anything to do with that. They were swearing officials in on the Holy Bible. George Washington was the one that started this. They still did it after that. They had regular sermons in Congress and in Senate. They had official chaplains that opened with, with prayer. I mean, on, I could keep going on and on, but let's go back to Daniel. So Daniel finds out that they passed this law. Let's look at verse 10 and find out what he does. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You know, before this happened, nobody ordered Daniel to pray and nobody was ever gonna order Daniel not to pray. Daniel said, you know what? They passed a law saying I can't pray and guess what he did? He prayed. Even knowing what the penalty was and the consequence was. What would you do if they passed a law right here in Austin that said it is illegal to pray? Well, I mean, you could, you could quit praying. I don't think any of us here would do that. You could pray in secret and just not let anybody find out about it. I don't think that's what Dr. Forshee would do. Um, you could take a month-long sabbatical. That's kind of the lawyer thing, Danny, if you call me and say, hey, what should I, I say, hey, man, why don't you take one of those Holy Land trips for 30 days? And you can pray all you want when you get back. The, the law's passed and there's this legal loophole but I don't think that's what Dr. Forshee would do. I think Dr. Forshee would, you know, if they passed this law, man, he'd get right up there and pray where everybody could see him and they would arrest him. See, when you break a law like this, you become a target. You know, and that's where this, this, this thing really gets really weird because what we see is, is that the king gets blindsided by this law, which is unbelievable because the, the Bible tells us he's the one that signed it. But then he was like, why did we pass this law? I mean, what happened? Look at verse 14. It says, then the king, when he heard these words, he was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. You know, it's probably like bills that they've got going on. I mean, the, you know, last night the Senate went all night. They may still be going trying to pass whatever it is they're they're, they're trying to pass now. I mean, sometimes they pass so many laws, they don't even know what they are. And the king's just signing them and stamping them. And he didn't even read it. And all of a sudden it got passed and he could not do anything about it. There's a lesson there. And he was a very powerful man. He thought, you know, I'll just not worry about it. And it, when it gets passed, I'll just undo it. Well, this guy's the king of Babylon and he couldn't get it undone. You see, he knew he messed up because here's what happened. He shouldn't have allowed the law to pass in the first place. Now, that's where we're gonna have to be. That's right. 
We're gonna have to be, I'm gonna clap. I clap for myself. We're gonna have to be vigilant as Christians. We're gonna have to watch these things. We've got to earnestly contend for the faith. We've got to stand up, you know, and look at, look at the penalty in this case. It's severe. The penalty for praying was death. Now that seems like a just penalty, right? That seems like the appropriate, you know, you do the crime, you gotta do the time, you pray and you die. And what's interesting is the death penalty is enforced by lions. Now, lions are the executioners. Now this is gonna be a big problem for lions because I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, did you know Genesis 9, 5, animals are forbidden to kill human beings. Now, you may not know this, but in Genesis 9, 5, it says there'll be a reckoning for every animal that kills a human being. And I'll tell you why, because humans are made in the image of God. And, you know, here, here's the deal. You know, your dog knows there's a God. I'm not a cat person, but your cat knows there's a God. There's a ton of people in Austin that don't know there's a God, but none of the dogs and cats in Austin, they all know that there's a God. Now, some of you, how many of you are cat people? Yeah, cat people. Now, and you may be thinking, that's fine. You're, my punishment is you're going to throw me into a pit with a bunch of cats. I'll be okay. Cats love me, you know, but these are, they're big cats. They're big cats. I mean, do you know a lion's roar can be heard over five miles away? That when they eat, they eat 30% of their body weight in one sitting? I mean, that's like, that's like Jeff Fair eating 200 quarter pounders for lunch today. He could do it. He could do it. Yeah, in one meal. So, and you know, you, be, you may be thinking, well, when they throw me down, I know what to do. I'll just give them my leg and they won't eat me. I'll just give them some dark meat. Look. That's not what cats eat. Lions don't eat church's chicken. Kentucky Fried Okay, they eat vital organs. So they won't even touch the stuff that we eat. They're gonna eat your heart. They're gonna eat your liver. They're gonna eat your kidney. They're gonna eat your brain. Stuff we need, okay? So they drop you down in there and a lion has the strength of 14 men. So you're no match for lions. But you know what? Daniel goes down in there, and here's what the Bible says. The Lord sent his angel. Man, I love that. You know, you know God has special angels in the Bible. You know, there's a, you know the, he, has a, he has an earthquake angel. I like that angel too. He can bring an earthquake and set you free out of, out of prison. He's got lion taming angels. He's got all kinds of stuff. God has angels for people who do the right thing. Did you know the Bible says that you can be around an angel unaware? You can be around one of God's angels and not even know. How many of you have never seen an angel? Well, no, 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 don't raise your hand. I just said you might see one unaware and you not know it. So you don't know whether or not you've seen one. And Daniel was delivered from the lion's den by this angel, but the story's not over. Verse 24, look at verse 24. It says, and the king commanded those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, they were brought and cast into the den of lions. Now listen to this. This is the most interesting part of the story. They, their children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, 
They overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Listen, this, this was a bad law designed to hurt God's people. But look who it ended up hurting. It ended up hurting innocent people. Do you think it was fair to those people that their children, you know, got killed or their wives got killed? I tell you what, when people pass laws like this, unintended victims are people uh, that, that get hit by this. I know there's a lot of people that are trying to do stuff in America and they're, they're thinking that they're, they're doing good stuff, um, talking about diversity, but I'll tell you what, you know, we're seeing stuff happen where women are being hurt in women's sports. We're seeing where bathrooms, because of some of the, the laws and ordinances being placed, uh, you know, that are being put in place that, you know, cloud gender issues, uh, you know, bathrooms in some places can become very scary places. Um, and I tell you, here's, here's a lesson. The world is a scary place without God. Now, you know what an atheist says? An atheist says, and I was one for a long time, it says, oh, the problem with the whole world is all the religious people. You know, They're the, it's the opiate of the masses and all the evils and all the problems in the world are because of God. No, it's just the opposite. You take God out of this world and this world becomes a scary place. You know, because guess what happens? Then there's no God there to deliver them. But when you know the God of heaven, he has angels. He has the power to deliver you. Well, I want to close with one final scripture. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, and that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Now, this is really interesting. It says, Daniel was thrown into a cave. He was left for dead. A stone was rolled across the entrance. Soldiers guarded the tomb. They sealed the tomb. Does that sound familiar? Because... 600 years later, the very same thing would happen to Jesus. But unlike Daniel, um, Jesus didn't escape. He was nailed to the cross. Do you know why Jesus was nailed to the cross? He was nailed to the cross because of our sins, because of your sins and my sin. You know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And if you've ever sinned just one time, you can't make it into God's holy heaven. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And you know, we live in a world where people don't comprehend the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. But God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. And we can't get into heaven by those things. You, you can't be good enough. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and pay the price. And whereas Daniel came out alive, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ died a, a real death, a physical death on the cross. And he was placed in a tomb. And three days later, he came back from the grave to demonstrate that we could have eternal life. And you can have eternal life today if you only trust, put your trust in him. You know, technically, Daniel was guilty because he broke the law. But Jesus was guilty because we broke the law. It's a story of how the innocent pays for the guilty. 
You know, it's my prayer that people listening to this and I, you know, there's, there's, there's not only people in here, but there's more people listening to this message that aren't here than are here. That blows my mind. But if you're listening to this message today, you know what my prayer is for you? That you'll be a Daniel. That you'll be somebody who says, you know what? I don't care what people around me are doing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. And you know, it's not, I don't, not just be a Daniel, but you know, be a, be a King Darius and do the right thing. You know, Darius, if you look at the story, he's trying to catch up, isn't he? He's trying to do the right thing. He has a kingdom. Now, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people in this room, you think, well, I don't matter. I mean, I, I, just, I just run a little auto parts shop or I just, I just run a little ice cream parlor or, or, or something like that. Let me tell you something, it matters. Your kingdom matters. We all have to stand. And if we all stand in our own kingdoms, we will make a difference. You know, there comes a day that you gotta get off the sidelines. You gotta get off the bench and you gotta say something like this. As for me and my Chick-fil-A, we will serve the Lord. I hope that's you. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? We're about to pray. And you know, if at the end of this prayer, we're gonna have an invitation. And in this invitation, if you would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that today. And so in a moment, when this invitation starts, I'm gonna ask you to get up right out of your seat and I'm gonna ask you to come to the front and I want you to put your hand in one of these ministers' hands and just say, look, I wanna follow Jesus today. I'm, I'm coming today to make a decision for him. I did that, I was an atheist, I was 21 years old. I didn't even know what, I didn't even know if they would accept me at the church where I went, but I went forward. I went forward in a service and I'm gonna tell you what, God transformed my life and I've never been the same. And so today, if you're somebody that says, you know what, it's time, it's time I made that decision in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna ask you to come. Maybe you've already made that decision and you need to be baptized. You know, what a beautiful picture we saw of baptism as my good friend Daniel Van Cleve was baptizing people. And, and maybe you say, you know what? Maybe you felt a tinge in your heart when you saw that and, and thought, you know what? That needs to be me and I just need to get around to doing that someday. Well, you know, that day, that day can be today. So would you come down? Daniel's right up here at the front. He's to my right and to your left. And would you, would you, if you need to be baptized, I want you to come up and tell him, say, I need to do that. Come during this invitation time. And then there's one more thing. If God is speaking to you about joining Great Hills, um, would you come down, bring your whole family and become a part of this incredible church? You know, I just, I can't even imagine that, that uh, you know, you have the opportunity to do something I can't do. You know, if I was here in Austin, I wouldn't even hesitate. Man, I would, I would come and be a, a part of this church to have Dr. Forshee be my, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So today, this could be your time to, to make that decision and say, you know what? I'm gonna take a stand today. I'm gonna become a part of this church because this church I know is making a difference in, in Austin, Texas. Father, I just pray right now for 
anybody who makes, makes these decisions. Give them courage to stand. If somebody's listening online, I pray that they would, they would call in. If somebody's here today, I pray that they would stand up. Stand up and then come down. Give them the courage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand up. And if you need to come, come right now quickly as we sing.